Does anyone, when they buy a car or look at someone's car that they've just got, look for its face? Do you know what I mean? No. Is it just me? Oh, this entire talk is going to be absolutely rubbish then. <laughs> Basically, I can't, I, we got a car and I was like, I quite like this car because it's got a really nice, friendly face. Its front looks nice and warm and welcoming. That would be the car for me. This is a very, like, westernised talk, isn't it? <laughs> but um, there's apparently something where you can see faces in things, and it's called face pareidolia. Have you heard of that? So look, here we go. Here's some examples. Happy little plugs. Aren't they lovely? Oh, next one. Oh, grumpy plug. <laughs> what about this one? <laughs> the washing machine of vomiting. <laughs> oh, little bag. No? You're not enjoying this as much as me. I spent hours looking for these images. Come on, give me more. Okay, can you see it? Can you see it? Okay, good. What about this one? Jesus in some toast. <laughs> oh, yeah. How intriguing. <laughs> well, basically, I want to talk to us this evening about how we see things. And um, I was just thinking about Saul. Do you remember the character Saul in Acts 9? And basically what happens to him is he was just absolutely enraged. It says in the scriptures he was breathing out murderous thoughts to people. And then suddenly he was on a journey um, towards Damascus. And it says that in scripture that a light came from heaven. It flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice speak to him. And he was blinded for three days. He was planning a genocide. <laughs> And God intervened. And then God then sends this guy called Ananias. And Ananias is told by God that this man, who's been with breathing out murderous thoughts, is actually God's chosen instrument. I don't know about you, but I would be a bit alarmed at trying to see someone in that way, in the same way that God was seeing this guy. And then Ananias is told to go to, his, go to the house where Saul is. And it says this, he says, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here sent me to you so that you would see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we learn through history that Saul became powerful as a person full of the Spirit of God, full of Jesus' Spirit, so much so that he totally bewildered everybody around him because he was proving that Jesus was the Savior. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I need God to do a supernatural something on the way that I see things on the way that I see people, on the way that I see circumstances in this world. I need divine intervention, so much so that perhaps I would need to be flawed like Saul was flawed, blinded like Saul was blinded, so that I go blind to my old way of seeing things, but open-eyed to the way that God could see the potential in a person. Anyone else need that? Right now, I feel like I need that. So this is a bit of an honest confession, really, about me not quite seeing people the way I should sometimes. And I'm kind of hoping I'm amongst friends in that. But in Luke chapter 7, we've been going through a journey, really, over the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue it through Lent, of meals that Jesus had with people. And in one particular meal that we're going to look at tonight, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus says to a chap called Simon, whose house he's in, do you see this woman? I came 
into your house. And from pulling this out of the passage, Jesus is saying, I want you to really see something about this person that's in your house that you haven't seen already, because I have come to this house. And the truth about this passage that we're going to look at is Simon, whose house it was, he wasn't quite seeing that lady how Jesus was seeing that lady. And sometimes I need Jesus to say to me, do you see that person? Because I'm with you. Do you see my potential in them? Do you see what I could do or have done in their life? And the truth of the matter, guys, is honestly, often my answer is no. I can't see it. People are in my house. Jesus is in my house. And I can't see the potential of what God could do in the people sitting right next to me. Uncomfortable, but honest. So let's have a look at this scripture and see how it kind of padded out um, in Luke chapter 7. If you want to follow it in, in your Bibles, it will come up on the screen. It's Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. It says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When Jesus is invited, he is so at ease, whoever we are, whatever we're like. That's the truth of the matter. He's totally relaxed there. And then verse 37 goes on to say, a woman in that town who'd lived a sinful life learnt that Jesus was eating at the house of this Pharisee. So she came there with an alabaster jar full of perfume. She came to where Jesus was. And Jesus is attractive to people who know they need him. And people might start to turn up at your house because they know Jesus is with you and be expectant of who Jesus could be for them don't blow it. <laughs> Don't do a me and restrict your vision. <laughs> Allow Jesus to show you who he is and what he could do. Listen to what happens as she enters. She stood behind him, stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Imagine the scene. Imagine this coming into your house uninvited. She wiped her tears and his feet with her hair. She kissed them and she poured perfume out on them. This would be the equivalent of just chucking your entire salary's worth of something over Jesus. Some would say, what an absolute waste. But no, it's not, is it? So the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this He's called Simon. And Simon said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he'd know who's touching him, what kind of a woman she is. She is a sinner. But Jesus answered him. And sometimes Jesus answers the thoughts going through our minds, even when we haven't said them out loud. Because gulp, he knows what we're thinking. And he's got an answer to what we're feeling about something or someone. And the potential of a God vision for someone else's life. So Jesus answered Simon. 
and he said this, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And Simon replies, tell me, teacher. He wants to learn, and he's about to. <laughs> and this is what Jesus says. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Everyone gets forgiven. <laughs> and then Jesus says, now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman. So he's facing the woman right now. And he's speaking to Simon. And here's our phrase that we got earlier. Do you see this woman? Do you see her? What are you seeing? You're seeing a sinner. You're seeing someone who owes something. You're seeing someone just crippled with problems. Do you see her? Wait, do you see her how I see her? Because his next statement is, I came into your house. I came into your house. And there's an expectancy, isn't there, when Jesus is with us, that we start to see people, situations, things differently. And you know what? When the power of the Spirit comes upon our lives, we do start to see things differently, right? I do. I have. And that doesn't just include other people. I see myself differently now. I even see God differently now because of the Spirit at work in me. I came into your house. And Jesus is reminding us today, I've come to your house. I've come to your life. I'm involved. Every time you have people over, I'm there. The power of the Most High God is present to work. Are we expectant of that? <laughs> Do we see the potential that that could be for that other person? And then he draws attention to the kind of lack of warmth and lack of hospitality that Simon, this guy, gave even Jesus. The Most High God was sitting in his room, round his table, and what happened? Jesus could potentially have been doing miracles, but Jesus is not even really welcomed. It says, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume all over my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever's been forgiven little loves little, tiny amount of forgiveness. But tonight, I want to remind us, we all need the mercy and salvation of Jesus, don't we? I do. We all need the power of Jesus at work in our households, in our families, in our friends, in our lives. What difference on earth could it make? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Are we happy to just have Jesus there reclining at the table? Or do we want to make the most of him being present and start to see how he interacts and changes the lives of us and those around us? And I think this is an opportunity for grace here for this man. And grace is undeserved and unearned power of God, favor of God, salvation of God, forgiveness of God, completely unearned and undeserved. And listen to how Jesus speaks to that lady. He says to her, your sins are forgiven. And this is outrageous to the others in the house. And they began to say to themselves, I sort of imagining them muttering away, who is this who forgives sins? Who does he think he is? Oh, just casually the saviour of the entire universe, <laughs> sitting in your midst. Boom, thunderous power, raises the dead, casts out demons, heals the sick, preaches to crowds, preaches to one, turns water to wine. Let me introduce you to him. Oh, wait, you thought you knew him, but he's here and you're just kind of carrying on as if he's not even present. That can be me. That can be me. People come in my house and my expectation is tiny of what Jesus could do in them and in me. I don't know if you ever heard about this, but in 2015 in Brighton, uh, there was something set up at the station called the Waiting Wall. Did anyone ever hear about this? People are pretty broken, you know, and they know they need help. There's a song that we sometimes have sung here, and it says, Who alone can save themselves? Their own soul could heal. Our shame was greater than the sea, but your grace is deeper still. We can't save ourselves. And I think something that's the most damaging thing in this world and causes many problems and starts many wars is actually shame and pain from the past. And so in this waiting wall in Brighton in 2015, they set up an opportunity, they weren't even Christian, an opportunity for people to confess the things that they thought about. Remember, Jesus challenged something that Simon said to himself with some grace and some truth, and Jesus answered him. So I wonder what the kind of things are that you feel like people are thinking that Jesus might want to have an answer for in their pain. Well, listen to some of the things that were written and texted into this wall that then got projected in Brighton. Over 5,000 confessions came in. Listen to this. No one knows what I'm really like. If I didn't control myself, I'd be a total monster. Someone texts that in. I wish I wasn't so afraid of failure. I worry I'll never meet, reach my potential because I'm too afraid to try. Someone texts that in. I often hate being a parent, and as a result, I know I'm not a very good one. Someone texts that in. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I don't test. I don't take my medicine. I don't eat right. I don't care if this kills me as long as I stay thin. Someone texts that in. I'm so in love my, with my boyfriend, but I'm terrified he's just with me and, until he can find better. Someone texts that in. Jesus knows our thoughts, <laughs> like Jesus knew Simon's thoughts. And Jesus answered Simon, and Jesus answers us. And I feel like Jesus would want to answer them <laughs> with his grace, with his power, with his mercy, Things like Psalm 35, he might want to say back, 
Those who look to God are radiant. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I feel like he might have wanted to answer some of those confessions. You're totally free from condemnation or shame or condemning yourself. He might have wanted to say Psalm 51 like David did, created me a pure heart, renew a steadfast spirit in me. He might have said, I can do that for you. Let me introduce myself. He might have wanted to speak from Lamentations 3, my mercies are new every single morning. Because our world's broken. <laughs> and just like Simon, there's things going on in our minds that affect how we see others and ourselves and the Lord. But God wants to answer like Jesus answered Simon. And in the, the Anglican prayer of confession, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> The prayer goes like this. I just think it's amazing. Sorry if I'm, that was sounded mocking. I didn't mean it like that. It, they say this, Almighty God, our heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbours or fellow man in thoughts, in words and deeds, through negligence and through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and we repent of all our sins for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. And that is a good prayer, isn't it? <laughs> That's pretty solid. And it just sort of makes us aware we're all in this. We all need the mercy and the power and the presence of a saviour in our lives. So I wonder how the presence of Jesus starts to affect you. That remembrance of ourselves as we remember God is in our house, God is in our lives, God is in our midst. His spirit is actually in us, the spirit of truth. How are our thoughts and actions affected by Jesus towards ourselves? How are, how are we affected by the presence of God towards God himself? Do we remember who he is? Tim read that brilliant Psalm 103. Remind yourselves of that when we go today. Read it through. Remember who God is. He's the most high God. And he's with us. And I wonder how that would affect how we see others. You know, there's debts we all have. There's things we all know. There's stuff we've all done where we don't deserve the favor and the power and the blessing of God. But God's cleared the lot for us. You know, to the point where people, when they turn to Jesus, they say, I feel clean. What is this feeling? I feel clean. And that's exactly what God does. He cancels every debt we've ever owed. And then there's a kind of expectation that we can pass that on in the way we see people when they're around us. The Lord's Prayer is saying, you know, cancel our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I wonder who you think when you look at them and they come in your house, whether you think they owe you something or owe God something or you're waiting for an explanation or a sorry. Just clear it. <laughs> clear the decks because it will affect how we see, won't it? It will. And I can tell you that because 
I'm the proud owner of being very judgmental. <laughs> and it ruins how I see things and people. People who I love who come in my house. It trashes my view of God's potential of them. I've been reading this, um, this kind of document that was, was published by the Eastern Orthodox Church, and uh, I just wanted to share these thoughts from a guy called Monk Moses from the Holy Mountain. So this is what he said about the presence of pride, because really that's what it is. That was what Jesus was challenging in Simon and, and what he's challenging in me, really. He says, the presence of pride means that we start to justify ourselves. We transfer all responsibility of anything we've done wrong. We become confused, divided, disturbed, exhausted from pretending, miserable and self-absorbed. Are you the proud owner of any of those? <laughs> I am. And then it goes on to say even worse stuff about when we think we're so brilliant and everyone else has got a problem apart from us. It says, we then become taunted by the devil and captured in his dark nets. Pride is a phenomenon of our time and of a society that pushes people into a continuous observation of others and not of themselves. Pride wrongly makes us believe we are better. <laughs> And that's really what was happening in that house that day, wasn't it? Simon set himself up. I am better. That lady's sinful. Jesus is with me, casually chilling Jesus. Here he is. Whereas that lady, she saw the dramatic power of God in Jesus. She knew who he was. And it caused her emotions to be provoked. It caused her physical body to move. It caused her to just kind of cry out to him and seemingly waste everything precious on him. I wonder when... <laughs> That was the last time we felt like that. It's been a long time for me. And I wonder when the last time was when we thought, I'm better than you about somebody in our midst. And we stopped seeing them like Jesus. But let's go back to that scene and listen to what Jesus says to that lady. Very short phrase. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I don't know if there are people here tonight, maybe I need again to hear that phrase. Our faith has saved us. Go in peace. Be at total peace that you have received the power of God, that Jesus himself is present with you, that your faith in him brings salvation not just to you, but you take it to your house for others to see, for others to come knocking, for others to un just interrupt your day. Show me this Jesus who you know. <laughs> Introduce me to him. I used to do some stuff at Glastonbury Festival, and literally people were saying, can you introduce me to Jesus then? Because we would get prophetic words for them or words of knowledge, and Jesus would just tell us things about their lives that there's no way they knew we could know. But the Most High God knew all about them, and he wasn't shaming them. He was saying, look how much I know you, and I love you. I'm relentlessly pursuing you to save you. Your faith will save you. <laughs> Go in peace. And Jesus wants to remind us tonight that he has come to this house. He's in your house. 
The potential of who God is is constantly with you. When you walk to a shop, Jesus Christ is with you because his spirit is in you. You put your feet on the ground and there is the potential for the thunderous power of the Most High God to be healing people in that moment. We've got a friend called Alex in London and they call him the evangelist of Halfords because he works for Halfords. He lays his hands, he prophesies over all the customers and even the head officer said, you can do that because he is sealing miraculous healings, because he knows Jesus is in the house. Do we remember that? Do we remember that? Are we going, Jesus, what do you think of them? Are we too busy going, oh, they're sinful. I'm much better than them. That's me. Hello. (laughs) How annoying I am. (laughs) Jesus came into your house. It should make a difference. We shouldn't just be casually chilling. There's potential for the power of God. Dorothy Sayers, who's an old crime writer, she was really good friends with C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien. She died in 1957. She says about Jesus, he's too dynamic to be safe. It's been left for later generations to muffle up that shattering personality and surround him with an atmosphere of tedium. We have declawed the Lion of Judah and made him a house cat. Meow. No, (laughs) he rose from the dead. (laughs) Like, that's an accomplishment, right? (laughs) So I just feel like Jesus is saying to us, when Jesus said to Simon, Simon, do you see that woman? Like, do you really see her with the potential that I see her? Jesus was saying to Ananias, do you see Saul, who was a terrorist, what I see in him, a potential man who's going to start the massive church planting movement? Nope, would be my answer. (laughs) I can't see it. But, you know, I read it at the beginning. You know, Jesus sent Ananias to lay hands on Saul so that he could see again. (laughs) And I feel like tonight we've got to lay our hands on one another to help us see again. See Jesus, remind ourselves of the power of God and his spirit in us so that we too are filled with the power of the spirit of God to see breakthrough in our homes, in our lives, with our work, with our studies, with our friends. Wow, imagine if people started coming, interrupting our lives, saying, I just want to get to Jesus. I know he's with you. Because we should be contagious. And we are We just don't know it. (laughs) So hello, here's your reminder. (laughs) You are supercharged with the power and the contagious holiness of God. When you walk out of here, people will look at you different because you have Jesus in you. You can't see it sometimes, but you are totally radiant. I can see your faces. I can see Jesus in you. And I feel like we need to act like it again. We were laughing the other day because Fee and um, Jay were saying, you know, sometimes when we worship, do we sing like we're actually saved? (laughs) Sometimes we have to tell our faces. (laughs) So Jesus to us, like Jesus to Simon, do you see? Maybe it's do you see yourself, your potential with God? Do you see God? (laughs) Do you see others? Because I am in your house. (laughs) I am in your life. And I can see potential. Can you? And I came into your house, and your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace.
Be totally at peace. Be totally secure of the power of God at work in you. Look what he did in history. He's been very good at transforming lives for thousands of years. He's not going to stop now just because we've had COVID (laughs) and there's problems in Eastern Europe. Doesn't stop God. Doesn't stop God. So I just want to end by reading a passage from Peter. So I just sort of feel it's a bit of a, just a gentle reminder that love covers a multitude of sins and changes the way we see things. So listen to these words, 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and sober so you can pray. Above all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without complaining. As good stewards of this incredible grace of God, each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. If you speak, speak as though you're conveying the very words of God, because you are. If anyone serves, serve with the strength God provides, because God is powerful. So that in all things, God will be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.